thank you, Seth Haynes, for joining us. Uh, Seth is the author of the award-winning book, Coming Clean, and also the new book, uh, The Book of Waking Up, which is excellent. He's appeared in my Sunday school class as a guest speaker uh, among his many accolades. And uh, <laughs> Seth, how are you doing today? <laughs> Good. That's, that's actually one of the accolades I'm proudest of. <laughs> I, I say it all the time. Appeared in Ed's Sunday school class. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've, you've been like Actually, it was a lot of fun. I mean, like, you were, like, dominating on Zoom before the quarantine, and Zoom became, like, all the range. Like, you've been... That's right. I, uh, I like to say that I, I was Zooming before Zoom was cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I wanted to talk about kind of, like, paths to reconnect and how we uh, do our work, how we engage on social media, how we use our phones and technology, and stay sane. And so, you know, just to kind of start out, why don't you just talk a little bit about what you've been working on or what you're working on right now? I mean, I, I can't really keep track of everything that you've been publishing lately. You have like a whole new series of things you're doing through Patreon. So um, mm -hmm. just whatever you want to walk through as far as your work right now and what you've been up to. Yeah, I think I can probably connect it to a little bit to reconnect to connect it to reconnect. Is that there a thing? Uh, to your book, reconnect to Ed's book, reconnect, which is amazing, by the way. Um, I think so for me, um, when I think about my work right now, I think about the work of sobriety. It's what I've always, you know, what's what I've written about for the last really five to six years off and on. Right. Um, right. The, the entrance into sobriety was coming clean. It was the, the, the first book I wrote is kind of my memoir on on walking into a life of sobriety. And then the book of waking up, my latest book is really a book about what it means to be sober beyond the sort of do or don't do things. Um, you know, we, we have this tendency to say that to be sober is to uh, drink or not to drink. Um, you know, it, it's to, uh, I don't know, shoot up or not shoot up, you know. And certainly there are some things that like we shouldn't do. You know, you, you, you shouldn't shoot heroin up. Uh, you shouldn't, uh, you know, look at porn. Um, but, but outside of some of the sort of hard line should and should not, um, I find that there's a different, a diff different, like more holistic way to talk about sobriety. So for me, the question of sobriety is not to drink or not to drink, but instead it is, do I use the created stuff of earth only in ways that enhance my attachment to God, that somehow enhance my ability to love God, to love others around me, to love the world around me. And, and that's really important to me lately because um, what I've been noticing is um, as I'm cooped up in this quarantine, like everyone else, um, as I'm you know, locked down, I go from about two places, like my office to my house or from my house to my office. I mean, those are like the two places that I actually go out. I don't go to restaurants. I don't go to coffee shops anymore these sorts of things. Um, as I'm cooped up more and more and more, I am finding myself drawn away from sobriety. And by that, I don't mean drawn to alcohol. I mean, I find myself drawn to use things um, in a disordered way that don't sort of enhance my attachment uh, to God and my attachment to my neighbor. And the primary uh, thing that disrupts my sobriety is this right here, right. as you can see, you know, I yep. mean, it's, it's the cell phone and, and um, 
again, to kind of go back to what, what your book is about, but also what I say about sobriety is, is that this is not, this is a tool. This is not an innate negative. It's not an innate bad. But when I use this in ways that disrupt my connection with God and with others, when I elevate it, when I use it as an escape mechanism, as a coping mechanism, as anything to sort of get my mind off the pain of the world, um, then in that way, it becomes an addiction. And so for me lately, what I've been writing a lot more about, in addition to um, this idea uh, of sobriety, this more holistic view of sobriety that applies to alcohol and cell phones and food and so forth and so on, shopping, whatever, um, I've been finding myself writing a lot more about silence. Mm. Um, I've been finding myself like drawn to silence. I've been finding myself drawn to silent practices and artistic outputs like photography. Um, I have been finding myself deeply, deeply drawn to silence and solitude and these places where um, the distraction of the phone is sort of in the background. Um, and it fades away, whether that's that's because i'm I'm writing, whether that's because I'm practicing silence or whether that's because I'm uh, walking around uh, you know my neighborhood with a camera or whatever it is. Um, so as far as my work, I think that's kind of where I am right now is just really exploring uh, silence. And that's what I do. The, the, the Patreon group that you talked about, I've moved most of that to Substack. Um, and, right. and that's what I'm doing really primarily in my Substack is let's explore in addition to my monthly newsletter, let's explore silence together, uh, through photographs and through words and through practice. Right. And I, I think it's interesting that a lot of times folks are interacting with your book and like, you've already moved on to like the next thing, like you're already moving on to like the silence stuff. And so you're kind of going back and forth to talk about you know, almost uh, this evolution of your ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, it's really interesting that you, you said that that transition happened really before, uh, before the quarantine, before the lockdown. I mean, it was pretty quick. So what happened after I released the book of waking up was, was what happens with every book launch. I mean, for two weeks, three weeks, maybe four weeks, you're sort of like down this rabbit hole of promotion you're always on social media, you're on all the podcasts, you're, you're doing as much as you can to get the word out there. And what I noticed in that season, and that would have been the, the really January into February, what I noticed was that my mind was just a spin cycle. Um, I couldn't hold the thought, I couldn't get focused. My next thought was on the next interview or the next thing I had to write or the next conversation about the book or whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and what I found was that in that like brief period of time that the only time I could like get things under control, um, and not feel anxious or, uh, like I was trying to spin things up was when I had my camera and I was walking around town, uh, taking photographs. Um, again, that was pre quarantine, pre pre lockdowns. Um, and it was in that moment that I thought, Oh, what I'm actually craving is not photography is a fine art what i'm actually craving is that experience of paying attention in the silence which is what good photographers do you know there was this famous french photographer named henry cartier bresson and he would talk about finding that decisive moment but to find that decisive moment um you you have to pay attention 
you have to give yourself to the moment fully and to give yourself to a full moment to really pay attention. You have to cultivate this sort of interior silence. In fact, <coughs> excuse me. In fact, he calls, <coughs> excuse me, I inhaled my coffee a little bit. Um, he calls portraits sort of this silent freeze moment this 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 thing that you can return to over and over again that's like the silent capturing of a, of a moment um and that's what i was really wanting and so over the last couple months particularly going into the lockdown that's what i was really focused on was how can i be true to the work that is the book of waking up um which is a book about sobriety how can i be true to that and cultivate this sort of inner silence that really should be at the core of true sobriety. Mm. Yeah. One, one of the things, this is just kind of a, a side note, but one of the things that our class really loved was that Westminster Confession for uh, the stuff of earth, the pursuit of the whiz bang is a chief end of man. Um, and I think, that, yes. you know, that, that silence though is kind of the opposite, you know, that, you know, yeah. the, um, it's, it, I would say probably it's a different kind of whiz bang, but it's a slower, <laughs> slower yeah. whiz bang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the book of Waking Up, for a little bit of context, like I talk about how the stuff of Earth is the whiz bang. It's it's what we call it produces what's called the whiz bang, right? So when you um, have pain in your life and you need distraction and you drink and that drink numbs you up and you get that kind of euphoric feeling that's the whiz bang right or when you have sex and you, you know in that moment afterwards it's the whiz bang it's that great feeling or or even when you shop and you uh, purchase uh, something a high dollar item or just another book on amazon which i am prone to do uh, there is a a brain uh, chemical that is released that gives you the euphoric state um, it's the whiz bang it's why we have compulsive shoppers it happens in gambling it happens when we eat um, anything that is sort of created in the world that we use produces that euphoric state. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is um, that God wants to send us the message that, hey, this feels good. You should do it again. Now, that's not necessarily to say that gamblers, uh, compulsive gamblers say, oh, this feels good. I should keep compulsively gambling. Um, but, but that, like in the gambling uh, brain chemistry, that is connected to uh, risk and reward. So sometimes we have to risk to get really high reward. And it's the same chemical release um, that happens in gambling. Um, and so it's that whiz bang. It's God saying, pay attention to these things. These things are the stuff that I've created and they're good for you. Um, what's really been fascinating to me is I've thought through sort of reorienting my life, not around the whiz bang, but around the creator has been um, examining the things that produce those whiz bangs. And you're exactly right. One of the big ones, not necessarily silence, but one of the big uh, whiz bang producers in life is meditation. Right. And so we know that when we sit in silence and we meditate and we examine ourselves and we are fully present in the moment, that there is this like sort of state of euphoria that sets in. In fact, I was talking to um, a friend not too long ago. And I had, I've totally ruined my streak this last week, but I had a streak of like 12 days um, where every day I had um, a meditation practice that I had not missed. And by about day six, when I was finishing my meditation, I would come out and it was like this euphoric whiz bang moment. And, 
And um, after that, I would turn to prayer and I would turn to the scripture studies. And it was there that I found the most clarity in prayer and scripture because I had sort of cleaned out my mind. You know, I'd gotten right. rid of all the other things that I was searching for. Um, so, so we know that like meditation in silence produces uh, whiz bang. We know that connecting with community face to face produces that sort of whiz bang. Um, we know that attending church and connecting with the divine sort of produces that was being too. And so um, there are all these really God given things that produce um, those, those, those whiz bangs, those amazing chemicals that are, uh, have nothing to do with this. Right. And just for like the thinking of, of the range of potential viewers or listeners uh, to this interview, uh, when you say meditation, are you talking about, a like a guided app or are you doing something that's just a uh you know attentiveness to nature or um i mean you could do either i i have yeah. used an app um called timeless um and somebody recommended it to me and i can't remember who i wish i could remember because i would totally plug them because at first i was like oh it's kind of expensive and dumb and i'll just do my own my own mindful meditation, um, but it has been so good. And I was like, I can't remember. It was maybe 50 bucks, like for the year for subscription. And I oh, thought, wow. Oh my gosh, that's, that is like a lot of lattes. But then I thought, you know what? I'm not buying lattes anymore. So, right. cause I can't go to the coffee shops. Might as well invest yep. here. It right. has been the best investment of my year. I mean, the market's down right. like 13%. So of course it's been the best investment of my year. Right. <laughs> but it's been really good. So um, I've done, I, I've used various methods for a really long time. This one is really helpful uh, for me for whatever reason. Yeah, cool. So uh, thinking about how, you know, you're on social media, you've been on social media for a while. And, you know, I, I, I think that I've, I've seen you on there at least as long as I've been on there. And, you know, how has your use evolved? How do you, how are you placing boundaries around yourself these days or how are you using it differently? Um, yeah. You know, yeah, it sounds, you know, obviously for book releases, maybe you go through different seasons where you use it in different ways, but I just wanted to get a sense of, you know, now that we're, you know, kind of to think about, you know, reconnect and, and I think there's a lot of connections between reconnect and your book, but you know, I, how, I didn't know that you've written a lot about this, how your use has evolved over the years. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question. It's really in depth too. I would say um, if you went back to my timeline uh, through probably 2015 leading up to the election, really, um, you, you would see sort of the pinnacle of my um, frenetic use of social media. So um, I've been writing for years, but at that point I was, I was really using Twitter and Facebook as a means to um, to sort of share my disgust with the current political milieu. I was involved, deeply involved with that, um, sharing my both anxiety and uh, my revulsion uh, from the political candidates of the time and what was going on. Um, and I'll probably name names later, but, um, but I'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> and and I think probably through 2017 and really 2018, I started to notice that what I w was doing was nothing. Uh, nobody right. was listening except for the people who already agreed with me. So I could tweet something about, uh, you know, for instance, 
the immorality of a man who would be on his third wife and yet be claimed as the moral paragon for our age uh, from a particular Christian movement running for president. Um, and the only people who would agree with me were the people that already agreed with me. And then all the people that disagreed with me would just fight with me and we would just go back and forth and nothing was ever accomplished. And it really started to feel like uh, it was not embodying the ethos that was in John 17. Um, which is Jesus's great run about unity. It just felt really disunifying. And on top of that, it felt really like using booze again. Like I got the mm -hmm. same exact feeling when I would go on a long two hour Twitter rant with somebody as when I would just drink for two hours, you know, and the only difference was when I came out of it on the backside, I felt a lot less guilty and a lot more like righteous somehow. Mm -hmm. um, even though that's sort of ridiculous. Um, so, and I can't remember exactly when it happened, but I started to kind of taper off and just decided, you know, there are things that I cannot say here, um, that don't matter. And even like some of the, the areas of justice that I care about that I would previously have tweeted about, I stopped tweeting about. And I started saying like, if I don't practice this in my local community first, then I really have no right tweeting about it. And if I'm already practicing it in my local community, um, why do I need to tweet about it? You know, it was right. this kind of like circular, uh, circular logic. So, um, so I really started thinking more about how do I practice it in my local community justice and not virtue signal all the time. Um, and not that we don't need to sometimes use social media to talk about issues of the day. And I'll get to that. So, in um, probably 2018 is when I began to make that shift. Somewhere last year, and again, I don't remember the dates, but I just quit Facebook pretty much. I mean, outside of like using it to do author updates and um, ask a question here or there for a while, I really felt like I lost my footing on Facebook. I felt like I couldn't go on there anymore without like just watching the war happen and watching, you know, uh, news articles that I knew were not based in fact and that uh, felt like conspiracy theories from both sides and uh, watching both sides name call and watching, you know, loved ones get into fight with fights with other loved ones and watching myself pick fights with other loved ones. I just decided like I'd had enough. And um, Facebook was the first thing that I pretty much cut out. Um, I still use it from time to time, but like it's not on my phone. Um, I have to navigate to Facebook to use it. I don't really like the platform that much. Uh, so I cut it out and that was a pretty easy one. Like I don't miss it. I put it on my phone last week for something. I used it for three days and I'm like, man, this has no value in my life. I put, I got off my phone again. Twitter's the harder one, man. So I tried to navigate, um, into that sort of more like let's just be kind and gentle and unifying on uh, Twitter um, and and I think for a while I did that with some ease I'm, I'm trying to be a witness there of something that's different a different way I set limits on it uh, I try not to be on it too much throughout the day um, I try to only tweet a couple times three times maybe um, I pop in and out get in and out. I don't really scroll the feed. That's one way I've modified my use. Yep, I okay. only like really look at, at people who I'm interacting with, like who I know. Um, so I've curated particular lists. I've set up notifications from people that I, you know, want to see what they're doing. 
Um, and I won't say who's on that list. Um, so I really curate my interactions there to be, to keep myself clear headed. Yep. Um, and for the most part that works, but then like last week, um, and I will name names here. Uh, Eric Metaxas dropped a ridiculous piece of what he thought was satire, but was just blatant racism. And, um, and in that moment, I, um, I engaged and I said, no, man, this is wrong. And then um, uh, said, hey, uh, repent. And then I actually got in the DMs and I started DM pastor friends and writers, Christian writers, and said, you need to go out and call this guy to repent because this racism is wrong. Um, and this is not virtue signaling. This is literally being a voice uh, for the Christian witness in the public sphere, right? Um, so there are times when I still do that and I still will do that. Um, and I won't ever not do that. Um, but for the most part, I try to stay out of the politics, try to stay out of the conspiracy uh, try to stay out of the virtue signaling and really just keep up with the people that I love Instagram. So let's go to the third platform, Instagram. Right, this one right. is really important to me. It's important to me for a couple of reasons. One, it was um, started as a platform uh, around connection. Um, and I guess they all were in a sense, but it was sort of the last bastion of two things, connection and beauty. Um, you went there because you wanted to see, uh, your nieces and nephews, uh, you know, when you scroll through the feeder, I wanted to see like Sean Smucker's new puppy, for instance, you know, um, or I wanted to see um, a really beautiful shot of, you know, Southeast Asia that I would never otherwise see because I live in Arkansas. Um, I used it. I've always used it to keep up with photographers. So for me, it is a place to curate beauty. So Here's the trend that I started noticing at the end of last year. I started noticing that people were taking their political statements on Twitter and Facebook and were screenshotting them, Screenshot them yeah. and we're putting them on Instagram. Yep. Like, so my platform for beauty started to get full up with yep. people's uh, politics. Yep. And dude, I was pissed. So I muted every one of them. If you have ever, taken a screenshot of your tweet and I've seen it and you've put it on Instagram, I have muted you. And I have muted really dear friends who don't know that they're muted. And I probably won't even ever go unmute them. Uh, because for me, it's the kind of thing that has been really just ugly and, and no good. And so I continue to use uh, Instagram only as a platform for beauty and for sharing beauty and for recognizing beauty and for liking and commenting on beauty. I like that. I like, I like the, the emphasis on a particular usage. I think that maybe sometimes getting on these platforms and it's the pursuit of the whiz bang, the, the distraction, the disconnecting from reality. And you don't really know why you're on there other than it feels good and your friends are there and you know, there, there are, there are good motivations, but maybe it's not as well thought out as it should be. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things, in fact, I had a conversation with um, my publisher in maybe February or early March, and um, the recommendation was that I start using um, Instagram more to promote the book of waking up, and I said no. Um, I said no at first, and then I'll circle back to, I actually ended up saying yes, but I said no at first, 
and I said, you know, my main feed is to curate beauty and to examine beauty and to, and to share what I think is beautiful. And then I want to do the same thing. I want to love and share. And so like, I'll, if I see something that's beautiful, a lot of times I'll share it in my stories. Um, somebody else's art, somebody else's beauty, because I think it's really worth it. Um, uh, but so, so I try to keep that as a platform for beauty and, and I will, from time to time drop a video that talks about you know the book of waking up or i'll use igtv to talk about my work or to talk about the work of other people um and a lot of times i'll i'll leave a snippet up of that uh, on my instagram main feed for you know a week and then i'll delete it and drop a new video on, on there um about really about once a week but again like the primary use for that is not to sell books. It's, it's really because I think that, that beauty and truth and goodness in the world needs to be celebrated. And, and that's a platform where we can still do that without like feeling like we're selling our souls or getting into fights all the time. Mm. I'll probably betray my nerdiness here, but I think what I really love about Instagram is when people take a picture of a book they're reading, you know, with the parts underlined or whatever. Um, that's kind of my like favorite thing. That's, that's honestly how I discovered Richard Rohr in the first place. Cause I saw people mm. quoting him and then, you know, people started posting pictures on Instagram of Richard Rohr and I was like, I should check this guy out. Um, and that's, you know, part of my little rabbit hole. Um, yeah. And I think, I think to your point, man, that is, that's beauty. That's cultivating beauty. Like when you read something that moves you, whether it's a poem or from a novel or from a theological writer or whatever, and you underline that and you post that on, on Instagram, dude, I am there all day for that. I love that. Okay. So I'm not, I'm, that's Seth Thane saying I'm not muted then on his Instagram. You're not muted. <laughs> Some well, of our friends are muted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, at, at the beginning of reconnect, there is a uh, forward written by Seth Haynes. If anyone wants to screenshot that and put it on Instagram. Um, but um, it's kind of funny. This you uh, you actually invited yourself to write this over Facebook. Kind of ironically. Like, <laughs> oh, I did. I uh, forgot about that. Uh, which is great. Which is you know I was going to ask you anyway. So that that was a fortuitous moment. But um, you know one of the things I talk about in the book, I I, I kind of end it with this like mantra of you know guard your time, restore yourself in silence, make one on one connections. It's kind of like a a way to reconnect. And you've already talked a lot about how you reconnect and things like that. I just wanted to give you a chance to, you know, if there's anything you wanted to expand on or add to kind of how you reconnect or how you are reconnecting in quarantine or uh, what that looks like today. Yeah, it's been really hard. I was actually talking with somebody about this just the other day. It's been really hard in quarantine for a lot of reasons. Um, so we, we went, my family, for some context, Arkansas never really, all the way shut down. Um, our caseload is, has remained one of the lowest in the country. Um, part of that is because um, we saw the trends happening across the country and our, and our governor was pretty quick to, to put the brakes on some things. And so um, like him or not, uh, it's worked out pretty well for Arkansas. Um, it is opening back up. And, and so we're seeing those numbers creep up a little bit in the last uh, really week. But um, we were in lockdown. My family was in lockdown for 60 days, really without going out. Um, I think I went out maybe once or twice to the grocery store. And I think Amber went out about the same number of times. Um, and what ended up happening in that space for us was that it got real noisy. We have four kids 
uh, for older boys. We had very little time together before nine o'clock. Um, and, um, and it was really loud and even they were doing school and it was great and they were learning, but it was just very difficult. So, um, we started, well, I started waking up a little bit earlier. I'm an early riser anyway. And I started waking up a little bit early and really practicing these, these my meditation practices early to like really hold on to the silence. Uh, and then about halfway through, um, Amber and I started talking about needing, we needed some connection and I don't remember who suggested it first, but we started talking about the fact that we had all become sort of unintentional monastics. Um, and then Greg Hillis had, I don't know if you know Greg Hillis, but he's from Louisville and he had written this amazing piece for America about sort of the unintentional monastic community that we've all joined, you know, like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so in light of uh, sort of this vein of thought and what, what Greg had written, we um, started really asking ourselves, what would it look like if we actually created monastic connection? Um, so for us, after I have my time of silence, Amber will have, she gets up a little bit later, she'll have her time of silence. And then before the boys get up, we'll um, be very intentional about our morning prayers. Um, in creating a rhythm around connecting together in morning prayers. And so in those prayers, we reflect on who God is through the Psalms and the scriptures. Um, And then we reflect through our own prayers about what our desires are and thoughts are. And then we have a little bit of conversation afterwards um, before she goes off to kind of do her work and I go off to do mine. Um, And then the intent was to get together for noonday, but we haven't really done that. That's been more separate. Um, And then we were a little bit hit and miss on the evening prayers, but we tried to do evening prayers as a family, as a sort of reconnection connection moment. Um, So for us, we've really tried to cultivate connection around um, uh, intentional prayer times, uh, personal silence and solitude. Um, and then when we get together for noise, we try to be very intentional to be like, we're doing this together. So mm-hmm. we watch Fringe together, <laughs> the, the old sci-fi show. Um, but again, it's like an intentional decision. Like we're entering in this get together. Like we're not going to watch a lot of TV by ourselves. Right. Uh, we're not going to make a lot of space for personal whiz bang. Instead, we're going to make a lot of space for personal silence and solitude and corporate prayer and corporate uh, uh, sort of entertainment or, or leisure. Great. Great. Well, thank you. And um, where can folks connect with you, your website or. Well, yeah, totally. I think first they can connect with me in the forward of your book, all right. which they all need to buy. They can reconnect. Um, they can reconnect with me in reconnect, which <laughs> honestly, man, I think um, to just put a final plug in, like I, I, you know, we, we were sort of both working the veins of sobriety at the same time, but you were doing it through digital and I was doing it through alcohol and, um, and I was touching on some of those things, but you were really running with the ball and and carrying a lot of water in that space of digital sobriety before digital sobriety was cool, by the way, Cal Newport. Um, but in any event, um, you were really running those veins and I, I, it, it has been so helpful to me to think of um 
in times when I'm drawn to the phone to think, oh man, I, I really need to, to put the phone down and be intentional with my digital sobriety. Um, so first, thank you for that. Really glad you wrote this book. All right. Um, I think they can connect with me wherever they want, sethhaines.com, which I've stopped daily writing for a couple months because I'm focusing on some longer form pieces. Um, so right now, the best place to connect with me is probably on my Substack account, which is Seth Haynes with an I, H-A-I-N-E-S, sethhaines.substack.com. Uh, uh, and then Twitter and Instagram at Seth Haynes, S-E-T-H-H-A-I-N-E-S. Uh, yeah, that's probably, those are probably the best ways. Okay. And if the people connect with you on Instagram, do not post screenshots of your Twitter accounts. Do not. I mean, you can if you want right, to. Right. But yeah, I'll meet there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a confession. I'll probably draw some heat from that if anybody like that I've muted listens. Well, if there's Sorry. anything anything that you know we know about social media, it's that you can really like sell more books if you stir the pot. So let's you know let's just go there. Right. That's a good point. So maybe I should say the only reason I mute all the people who share those political rantings on Instagram is, is uh, because of the principles found in the book of waking up and reconnect. <laughs> but you'll have to buy the books to find out what that really means. Right, right. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Seth. I appreciate you uh, joining us for the interview today. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens for you, man.